Hi, I'm Holly. And I am Danielle. And this is the Spooky Hour. Netflix is still trying to like push Halloween at me, like the Halloween series. Yeah, I every time I go on Netflix, it's like the first thing, and like the it's has like at the at the top bar and everything. And I'm about to watch it again. (laughs) It it, like threw me off the other day because we turned on Netflix onto our TV, and that's the first thing that popped up. And then Stuart put on the Christmas Chronicles, and I was like, "Who are you?" Like. what quite halloween <laughs> yeah no he was like totally down for it and then he ended up watching the christmas chronicles 2 by himself because i didn't like the movie but oh my god that's so funny yeah. i saw that one is it is it not good it's 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 okay it's just it's not doesn't pique my interest i almost watched christmas with the cranks last night just because it's like love a funny movie. movie yeah it's a funny movie but i was like oh too soon for me yeah it burns <laughs> but they, they're trying to skip christmas you'd love it <laughs> but they end up caving anyways yeah, because like they realize that, like, Christmas isn't about presents. Duh. And that's what I'm trying to do, man. I am totally down for, like, hangouts for Christmas. Yeah. I did that last year. I just kind of, like, hung out with everyone. Yeah. Um, but also on that note of, like, holidays, um, our American friends, we hope you had a good turkey day. Oh, yeah. Happy belated Thanksgiving. Yeah. We were very thankful. We were very thankful. We are no longer thankful no for longer you. Thankful. No, I'm kidding. We are thankful <laughs> for you. We hope you had a lovely, safe holiday. Yeah. And you guys are probably like full swing Christmas now. I hope so. Some of you guys were November 1st, but I noticed uh, a lot of you guys waited until after Thanksgiving. And it's just it's just on now. See, our Thanksgiving's in October, so therefore we have free reign after October. Yeah, 10th or whatever it is. it's like this weird mishmash where like Mariah Carey's playing, but there's still Halloween costumes on the shelf. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's such a mess. I don't celebrate Thanksgiving, so it's just a turkey day for me. So, yeah, yeah, just turkey day. It's a good way to eat. That's just a good it's reason. A day off food. of work for me, yeah. to be honest. Yes, yeah, that too. The most important part. Uh, speaking of spooky season, I guess it's time to like get spooky yeah you guys let's let's get some spooky into you we're gonna talk about the gore orphanage legend the what the gore orphanage legend. i love that it's literally called gore yeah and i'll it's tell you why creepy yeah i'll tell you why it's called that oh no so i'm gonna start right from the very beginning um so in the mid 19th century a well-established and like successful farmer joseph swift i wonder if he's related to taylor swift oh my um, gosh he built a mansion on gore road just outside of Verm- wow, I can't say that word. Vermilion, <laughs> vermilion. Yeah, that's it. I said it. We'll right. go with it. Yeah, I'm right. You guys, fight me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is in northern Ohio. So this property was over 400 acres, surrounded by dense wood and rivers. Um, this mansion had 15 foot ceilings and over 14 wow. rooms. Literal goals. Yeah, uh, yeah. So in 1831, Joseph's five-year-old daughter passed away in the home, or said in the home. Um, and then in 1841, so 10 years later, his 24-year-old son also died in the home. So oh, it's rumored sad. that they both died in the home, but there's no evidence of that. But that's just apparently what is said. Um, I'm not sure of their causes, but yeah, they died. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they died. They died. That's all I got. Um, so now Joseph tried to expand his fortunes by like a bit by investing in the railroad business, but I guess he didn't do it properly because he ended up bankrupt. Um, so yeah, so he ended up having to sell his mansion and his property. He sold it to a gentleman by the name of Nicholas. Wow. By the name of Nicholas Wilbur. Um, Nicholas was a spiritualist and was into conducting seances and rituals. 
Um, Nicholas's kids were said to have the ability to communicate with the dead as well. And he held these seances in his home on like a regular basis. So he'd invite people over, they'd have seances and just, it sounds like a fun time. Um, (laughs) so now it's said that they were communicating with Joseph Swift's dead children and that these ghost kids were there all the time. So they were always being communicated with. So kind of like got them stuck there. If you think about it. Um, so now it's also rumored that Nicholas Wilbur's grandchildren may have also died on this property. So they all died from, um, the diphtheria, um, epidemic, but records and like gravestones kind of prove that these kids died after the Wilbur's moved out of the mansion, but like residents and like people that live in this area insist that they died on the property. So it's kind of like back and forth, but there's records saying they didn't die there, but apparently their, their ghosts can still be there. <laughs> it's just adding to the the like to the property the list lore. of dead children. <laughs> <laughs> so the Wilbers abandoned the mansion in 1901, leaving it like completely deserted. Um, so now we bring in Reverend Jonan Sprunger and Katerina Sprunger. So these two had previously owned an orphanage that burnt down in Indiana. Kids, it said that three little girls did die in that fire. Ooh. Yeah. So after this orphanage was destroyed, they decide to. M- um, to move to Vermilion, Ohio. I guess they were maybe on the run. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but what is really weird is that Katerina's father's last name is Sprunger, which is also her married name. So oh. it sounds like she just married her brother. Did she? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Or like a cousin or something. Something Ooh. like that. Yeah. Uh, so they moved into Vermilion and took up residence in this mansion in 1902. They're Vermillionaires. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I'm going to move there just to do that. Just to do that. That's it, guys. It's that's that's iconic. Um <laughs> so which they decided to open a new orphanage, of course. Um so now it's said that this couple also lost two kids of their own, so it's kind of like it hit like this spiritual religious nerve and they were like just wanted to try and help other kids. Mm-hmm. Um so that's why they were opening these orphanages. Um, so they didn't use the mansion for the orphanage, but they built extra buildings on the property, which included like a schoolhouse, a chapel, a printing press for like school books. Oh, Um, that's cute. Yeah. So he wanted this property to be self-sustaining. So it was, it was also used as like farmland with animals and built, um, he basically built this like religious Christian community, basically. Um, That's cute, minus the Christian thing. Yeah, minus the religion. (laughs) Um, So they decided to call this orphanage Light of Hope Orphanage. Um, At one point, it's said that they had almost 120 kids on this property. Wow. Yeah, this is obviously on the spooky hour, so it obviously did not like go down really well. (laughs) It's not a great place. Kids escaped this orphanage a lot. It said that if they, um, sorry, it said that if they were fed like at all, they would be fed like calf lungs and like pig heads and usually the animal was really sick prior to its death so they were eating bad meat yeah um their boiled food such as like corn was boiled in the same pot that was used to clean dirty underwear what the fuck yeah essence of johnny (laughs) it's so fucked um so now it's said that boys and girls rooms were obviously separated but a lot of them were infested with rats and bugs many children were bit by these rats and got infections and children who were sick or infected were treated with prayers (laughs) just how you said that (laughs) 
That's it. Um, I take back everything I said about this place sounding cute. Yeah, it's not cute, guys. It's, it's not, not cute. It's not cute. <laughs> um, so they also only had one bathtub, which is like... With 120 kids? Yeah, 120 kids. Oh, my God. And these kids were allowed to use this bathtub every two weeks, but they never oh changed God. the water. Oh, my God. Uh-huh. <laughs> 120 kids, same bathtub, same water, prayers. 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 <laughs> Solves everything. Um, so now the legend of this Gore Orphanage. So it's called Gore Orphanage because it's on Gore Road. Yeah. Um, so is that people to this day say that it actually burnt down with the kids still inside. Oh. Ha- however, I don't believe that's true. And I'll get into why I don't think it's true. So in 1908, in another town in collinwood which is also in in ohio just outside of vermilion um an elementary school burnt down with 176 kids trapped inside so they either died from the fire or they were like trampled to death trying mm-hmm. to get out um it's said That's that the so sad yeah it's really sad it's said that this fire was set deliberately um as the exit doors were locked and kids were unable to get out so fast forward to like this day of like gore orphanage so the site of gore orphanage is burnt and is in ruins so people believe that this orphanage burnt down the same way the school did however again i don't believe it burnt down while it was an orphanage but instead this legend was mixed with like the school disaster that was close by um i do believe that the orphanage was an absolute hellhole i just feel like their stories got a little bit mixed up Mm-hmm. um in this legend and i have a reason why at the end of it i'll i'll explain why um so continuing with this gore orphanage so in 1909 um the state of ohio did an investigation into this light of hope orphanage um however they apparently had no laws on these types of institutions so nothing could be done even though they admitted ah. to it and like um uh, they yes. <laughs> went to this place saw the conditions these kids were like subject to they were just like yeah sorry no no can't help you bye like no child abuse laws sorry (laughs) ridiculous so reverend jonas sprunger died two years after this initial investigation and his wife decided to close the doors of the orphanage in 1916 due to financial troubles apparently um apparently the infestations or anything no not that (laughs) so apparently the children were either returned um to relatives or guardians or adopted in a sense um or they got stuck with katarina as she moved back to indiana so again i don't believe it burnt down i think this was the outcome um because there's records of this um so now so now on this property um like to like on this day like in 2020 on this property only one of these extra houses the sprungers built remains the swift mansion which is heavily visited was previously heavily visited when it got abandoned by the springers sprungers um um but this mansion wasn't initially used as part of the orphanage however now all that is left of it is like blocks from the foundation and evidence Mm -hmm. of a fire burning down so this place was heavily vandalized when it was abandoned so it's presumed that this was the cause of the mansion um burning down in the late 1920s this like in this on this property they have all these ruins and like burnt evidence of a fire but it was actually the swift mansion that burnt down and not the orphanage but not the orphanage yeah um so i can understand why there's like that legend of the orphanage burning down but i don't think it's real there's no evidence proving that it ever burnt down um and no real evidence to back it up um 
However, the site was host to a shit ton of torture, abuse. Um, so it's obviously a good site for some spirits. Um, yeah. So there is no evidence, like there's no record of any deaths happening at the orphanage or in the Swift's mansion. But it's also called, and, oh, and the mansion's also called Swift's Hollow, like the area. So if you visit Ooh. it, it's called Swift's Hollow. Um, but a I mean, spooky name too. Yeah. So I can see that the the Sprungers like could probably hide some of the deaths that happened at the orphanage considering the shit they put those kids through so i wouldn't be surprised if some kids passed on the property and no one knew about it um so people who have visited this location have reported seeing weird balls or orbs of like light just floating around um they've heard children screaming some have even yeah some have even um had like reported having visions while at this location some have has said these visions are a visions of a fire and kids dying in a fire um and that's oh God, where this that's like dark. burning legend of like the orphanage coming down in fire yeah. it's like what's where this legend's from so um some have also smelt uh smelt like burning flesh people Ew. have yeah Ugh. it's gross people have also reported seeing a black mist that has like a negative energy i feel like that could have been brought on like through the seances um yeah it said you could also hear like disembodied voices mostly of little children um when people so creepy yeah kid ghosts are like the worst they are we say this like every time we talk about kid ghosts we say that they're the worst because they truly truly are they truly are and i think it's because of the like sadness behind it maybe like it's like i don't know they just creep me the fuck out (laughs) and also like demons can usually take shape form of a children so you're just kind of like are you a a kid or are you a demon who knows yeah um, and then there's the whole like creepy kid voice like they're just like soft and gentle but also you're terrified yeah Ooh. it's just it's just make it creeps it just gives me goosebumps. Yeah. i um, also just don't like living kids either though so maybe that's just <laughs> that's it <laughs> you're like kids in general just everything, everything <laughs> they're all both. creepy yeah um so when people get usually get back to their cars some have said that kids fingerprints are on their doors like they were trying to get in yeah so this is where it gets kind of interesting and where this legend of this burning orphanage killed a bunch of kids kind of like comes from and where I can see it like this legend being a thing. Um, I don't believe it burnt down. I believe they just they did torture all these kids. However, so I got the following information from the Vermilion Chamber of Commerce website, but it said that paranormal investigators believe this site might actually be an historic imprint. So because of its trauma and abuse of past, those events that took place would release energy that would imprint onto like an object or a place. Um, These imprints of time would be like playing a tape over and over and over again. So they're just reliving it. And that's why you can like sense all these things. Yeah. So also these imprints can relocate themselves to other high areas of paranormal energy. So the theory behind this is that the elementary school that burnt down outside of Vermilion, that traumatic event had such high energy that it attached itself to the Swift's Hollow, like Gore Orphanage, because of its strong paranormal um, energy. So that's why people would see like children burning and stuff because the school burned down. That's so fascinating. So all of these paranormal sightings are actually two tragic paths that people are witnessing just colliding together. Wow. Yeah isn't that crazy it's like a like a movie projector of energy yeah is what i'm picturing kind of it sounds very scary yeah i kind of that's so cool though i've never heard of anything quite like that where like it's it's attaching to a different place like it's i don't know that's really cool yeah i don't know maybe it's because like 
in this school so many kids passed away whereas like with the orphanage so many kids were like abused that these energies although different are also similar in many ways yeah so that's why well and also allegedly those two kids died uh like the the guys kids Mm -hmm. so it's maybe it's just like they've all just sort of gravitated towards that spot yeah i think that's so cool that's terrifying but (laughs) right a cool theory that i've never heard before yeah so that's why i don't think this orphanage burnt down there is there's a lot of legends out there saying that it did but the evidence behind it says it didn't but it was there even though the ruins don't really exist anymore but the swift's home was there do you think it just kind of was like demolished yeah um they think when the swift's mansion burnt down no one really knew about it and just like burnt down it's not like it was like investigated or anything like that Mm -hmm. and then the other ones just ended up over time just getting demolished they don't really know what happened to them that's so weird it's very very weird yeah so ominous <laughs> so and like now it's like when you go there you have to like pass like a bridge and then when you get there it's just like really dense forest so it's hard to find anything but when you get there apparently it's like really heavy and it's like uncomfortable and every every person that's gone there has witnessed something whether it's like heavy feeling like or like screaming children and fires it kind of reminds me of uh where we went uh camp uh, 30 camp 30 yeah uh where you, like it's i mean obviously it's a little bit more residential the area but it's still kind of like you're on this nice walk and then as soon as you get on the property it feels like heavy yeah like there's that's what we kept saying like past. we just felt heavy the whole time yeah yeah so yeah that's the light of hope's orphanage Spooky. or gore orphanage creepy like children it's you just know how to bother me yeah <laughs> it's always the creepy children you guys it's always creepy children and then i bother you with children who kill other children it's, yeah yeah this is, this is a great great happy <laughs> podcast that you people have chosen to listen to and we're so thankful for it we are <laughs> but that was a good one that was creepy yeah i just like the theory behind it and that uh, yeah i've never heard anything quite like that i've heard of like ghosts attaching to objects and that's why they can mm-hmm. sort of like travel from place to place but never attaching like from one spot to another yeah like how you said i don't know i really think that's cool it Good one, me, Yelly. thanks it makes me wonder if like that could be like the start of like making a portal too oh interesting if there's like just that a whole much bunch energy. of energy yeah. yeah and especially with like people are still going there doing seances and stuff you have it's no also idea. giving me like hellmouth vibes yeah oh my god it's a buffy, buffy reference for those who yeah <laughs> it's like buffy come save us oh we love buffy we do um with that i guess we should get to some some murder some murder here for it just just keep up with the cheeriness a little bit (laughs) um this one's another one that's uh another open and closed case but it is a little bit twisty um i had heard about it uh i think it was on actually i mentioned the name of the documentary at the bottom but this woman ends up on a documentary and it's just a really fucked up sad story so yeah okay happy monday (laughs) um So it's not often that a lottery win is the worst thing to happen to someone, but in the case of Abraham Lee Shakespeare, who has the most awesome name I've ever heard in my life. Like, damn. <laughs> Abraham Shakespeare, like what a name. Um yeah, he uh, he won the lottery and it actually ended up ruining his life. Oh god. Um in 2006, Abraham she- Shakespeare. Shakespeare. 
<laughs> in 2006, Abraham Shakespeare purchased a lottery ticket, not really thinking anything of it. He was a casual laborer living in Florida, which means he would just sort of like work odd jobs to make ends meet. Um, on this particular day, I think he was building a pool for someone. Okay. Um, so this is important to note for later in the episode, but Abraham had actually dropped out of school in grade seven and was... Uh, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? He was illiterate, basically, okay. uh, meaning he struggled with reading and writing. So he had a hard time forming sentences and stuff. Um, he, like so many others, had been a regular buyer of lottery tickets, hoping that one day would be his big day. Finally, on November 15th, 2006, all of his wildest dreams came true. He won a massive jackpot of $30 million. Uh, he nice? only paid $2 to win this ticket. Like, can you even imagine? Oh, my God. He, he made a... I can't do the math. A really big profit off of that. <laughs> and with the uh, the lotteries in the states, they get taxed after, right? Yeah. So okay. he had two ways of doing it. He could have either done a million dollars a year for thirty years, okay, and he would have gotten the whole thirty million or something like, or he would have gotten he would have gotten a lot more doing it that way. But he chose to do a lump sum of seventeen million dollars. Okay. So they taxed it all up front. Um, which is absolutely insane. So he walked away with $17 million total. That's still a shit ton of money. An absolute shit ton of money. Um, it's just ridiculous how much they take off. Fuck, right? Yeah, so pe- for people that don't live in Canada, we obviously have a lottery. But, like, our lotteries get up to, like, seven, $70 million. But they're already taxed. So you win $70 million. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> i don't even know what i would do i think i would just pass out i I don't know what i would do with that much money no i would i I would just want enough to live you know what i mean like 70 million feels guilty (laughs) i would literally buy every dog in this whole entire world yeah i would do a lot of charity work i know that just to to balance the guilt that i would feel you know what i would do i would bring back myspace Oh my god. Oh my god. Yes. I'm so here for this. We're going to win the lottery and invest in MySpace. Because Justin Timberlake so fucked it up. This. Yeah. That is the most brilliant thing you've ever said. Thank you. Hey, if you guys win the lottery, what would you do? This is a fun thing. Comment on the episode post when we post it and let us know what you would do if you won $30 million. Yeah. This is fun. I like knowing what people would do. I like seeing their priorities. <laughs> We're not judging. We want to restart MySpace. So. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you're judging Anyways, us now, but... Um, so I wish his story ended here, but like Danielle said earlier, this is the spooky hour, so we're just getting started. Yeah. Um, as Abraham and many others predicted, distant family members and former friends started crawling out of the woodworks, hoping to get their their grubby little hands, I wrote, on some <laughs> of his winnings. <laughs> um one friend named Michael Ford actually ended uh, ended up taking Abraham to court over the winnings. So what? on the day the ticket was purchased, Abraham and Michael were on their way home from the job together. So he worked with Michael and they stopped to get gas. Michael asked Abraham if he wanted a drink, but instead Abraham asked him to grab two lottery tickets. He promised to give Michael the cash from his pocket when he returned to the vehicle. Um, the stories are pretty muddy as to whether or not Abraham actually gave him the $2. Okay. But <laughs> while in court michael had changed his story saying that abraham had actually stolen the ticket from his wallet and he demanded at least one million dollars of the winnings um abraham did fight him in court and he won against the lie um and then after this he went into hiding um so one of the only purchases he made with his lottery winnings was a one million dollar home in a gated community in north lakeland florida the only other notable 
Notable. The only other notable purchases uh, was a new Nissan and a Rolex watch. Other than that, Abraham just wanted to upgrade his living situation and live in peace. Oh, my God. Um, that's like literal goals. Yeah. That's it, man. Just a nice, comfy house. Yeah. I don't even think I'd need a new car yet. I, I would like to run Meredith to the ground. <laughs> that's my first car. I was going to say, this sounds really morbid. No, her car's name is Meredith. <laughs> my, oh, yeah. My car's name is Meredith because she's gray. So it's like Meredith Gray. Yeah. <laughs> <That's so funny. laughs> i like to name inanimate objects i don't know why i've done it since i was like a kid <laughs> it's just part of her personality does your car have a name we sh- yeah is she black betty or was that your bike no, no your she's... bike's white yeah so my car's black betty because um my before my car i drove a silver sunfire and she was just <laughs> betty so and I... flintstone car <laughs> yeah so we, i just called her betty so when i got my new car it was, she was black so i called her black betty because it's a song yeah that's it that's it yeah the end the end (laughs) um so yeah he uh he just upgraded his living situation um unfortunately for him though his gated community couldn't keep the leeches out and he was still harassed frequently by family members for a chunk of his cash so annoying uh this is where we meet dd moore uh dd was a then 34 year old businesswoman who claimed to have her own wealth um she contacted abraham in hopes of writing a book about him and helping him manage his newfound fortune uh so she claimed that she worked in like the stock markets or something i believe and she had like an official business and everything that she had like a business account uh all that shit so she she seemed legit she's already Um, sketchy (laughs) yes So after some time, Abraham grew to trust his new friend, and the two started a business together called Abraham Shakespeare LLC. I love that. I Just love right that. to the point. Yeah. So uh, this was a way of protecting his assets. I'm dumb, and I don't quite know how that works, but apparently making a business protects your assets. So there you go. Okay. Um, you know, this, this business- is my, like my literal job, and I didn't know that. Well, it's not my job, but I should know that, and I didn't. So <laughs> I don't know that if I I'm gonna when I win a lottery now make a business called Holly Business. Um, <laughs> Can you call it? What was your MySpace name? Holly J. Holly what? Holly what? <laughs> Can you please call it Holly what? Like Holly LTV? what was like the long running one, and then when people started to take out the like stupid ones, I made it Holly J. Yeah, because my uh, my middle name is Jillian, and I don't love it, and I wanted to do J with like just J and a dot, but then I didn't love that. So then I wanted to do J-A-Y, but then I thought that looked kind of, like, manly, so then I added an E to it. She's actually so Jay Leno. My own new... Yeah, I'm actually Jay Leno, chin and all. <laughs> I don't remember what my MySpace name was. I'm getting off topic, uh, but my You had several. You changed yours a lot. I remember that. Yeah, I'm just... I'm very indecisive, you guys. Yeah, you're almost a Libra. Almost. Um, <laughs> so this business arrangement left Didi in control of all of the funds including all of abraham's lottery winnings that's a bad uh, business she, move yeah it's already you could already see where this is going <laughs> um she eventually convinced him to sign over the deed to his house and his car also um shortly after all of this these business dealings had taken place abraham vanished no one heard from him he just up and up and disappeared um at first his friends and family thought he was just hiding from the mooches but uh as the months dragged on they grew more and more worried they had received text messages from abraham and you'd think that would be comforting but it actually had the opposite effect on the family so as i mentioned earlier abraham was illiterate meaning stringing sentences together was very difficult for him the text messages his family had received all had perfect spelling and grammar and this was a huge red flag for them uh, family members played along with the text messages, pressing for answers from Abraham, 
And uh, when the questions became too complicated, their messages started to get left on read. Eventually, they'd stopped hearing from Abraham altogether. That makes me um, really sad because, like, I forgot that he was, like, illiterate. And, like, him doing, like, this business, like, contract, he probably didn't know what it He probably didn't entailed. understand what he was doing. So yeah. sad. That breaks my heart. Yeah. It's, it didn't go very well for Abraham. Always get a lawyer. <laughs> Always. He had the money for it. Yeah. Um... On November 9th, 2009, Abraham's family officially reported him missing after not seeing him in person since April of 2009. When questioned by the police, Dee Dee claimed that Abraham had simply run away. Uh, she said that he'd grown tired of people bothering him for cash, so he left town and fled to Jamaica. She went on to claim that uh, he was sick and in the hospital on this island, which is why he stopped answering everyone's texts. To back her claims up, Dee Dee actually produced a strange video that she had recorded of Abraham saying exactly what she told police, that he was sick of being rich and he was taking off for good. Um, Abraham's brother and close friend both also alleged that he said something similar to them not long after accepting his lottery winnings. So it started to look like he maybe did actually run away. Um, But obviously we're not done yet. Um, (laughs) So while all of this was going on, Dee Dee was using Abraham's money for her own personal uses uh, because they were in her name and it was, you know, technically her money. But she had racked up credit cards and purchased multiple homes and vehicles, including a $90,000 Hummer. Why? What the fuck do you need a $90,000 car for? What does anyone need a Hummer for, first off? Yeah, it's not even a nice car. Yeah. So apparently she was a a terrible financial advisor because soon enough, all of Abraham's winnings were gone. She had several warnings issued to her in regards to late payments and was just about to have her cars repossessed. In hopes of, like, sympathy or something, she claimed that she had been raped and was traumatized and that's why her car payments were late. Uh, Instead of catching a break, she actually caught charges for these lies and served time in probation. Um, Things were quickly starting to fall apart for our sneaky little friend here. Police knew that Dee Dee had to have been involved in Abraham's disappearance. Uh, She was managing his finances and had even moved in with him at this point. She was the last known person to see Abraham alive. They continued to question her, and every time she changed her story. First he was in Jamaica, then he was in Florida, then he was in the hospital, then he was on a cruise, and then eventually she sort of started to twist the blame on Abraham entirely, um, like, as to why these stories weren't adding up. Okay. So she said that he didn't want to pay child support, so he made up a lie that he was dying of AIDS so that people would leave him alone. And when that didn't cut it, uh, she changed her story again to say that someone had found a tape of Abraham allegedly raping a 14-year-old girl, and he fled the country to avoid having it exposed. Uh, Please note, there has been no evidence of this tape. This is pretty obviously a lie coming from this Dee Dee character. Um, So this tall tale didn't work either, so she resorted to trying to seduce the investigator in her interrogation. Is she, like, uh, mentally okay? No, she's not. She's actually... I would recommend watching documentaries about her because she is, like... She's a character. Oh, God. Like, she's fascinating to watch. Um... So when one of the officers left the room, she allegedly told the other officer that she found him mighty fine, and if she didn't get charged with anything, she'd be happy to spend the night with him. He politely declined the offer. Yeah, no shit. (laughs) (laughs) Um... As her story began to crack, Dee Dee was scrambling for ways to cover up what really had happened to Abraham Shakespeare. 
Uh, she had allegedly offered one of Abraham's baby mamas a $200,000 house if she promised to tell police that she spoke to Abraham on the phone. Then she tried to convince her friend Greg Smith to call Abraham's mother pretending to be him. What she offered fuck? him upwards of $50,000 for his services. $50,000 to like, like break some mother's heart. And these people are just going to be like, uh, yeah, I'll do that. Like, obviously not. They're going to tell somebody. Yeah. Like, what? So the cherry on top here, she had written a letter pretending to be Abraham, who once again cannot read or write, and sent it to his mother. What a fucking She moron. wrote that everything was okay and that he misses his mother. Oh, it's geez. absolutely so sick. She's a dirtbag. Uh, yeah, she's insane. Um, after refusing to make these phone calls on behalf of Dee Dee, Greg Smith had decided to go to the police. Um, together, they came up with a plan to help catch Dee Dee and her web of lies. With police listening in on a phone call between the pair, Dee Dee asked Greg if he would know anybody that would take the fall for a murder for fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> Officers, I would not. You have you would have to offer me a hell of a lot more than fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, you would need to give me enough money so I can get myself out of jail yeah so, exactly that's not fifty thousand dollars absolutely not um she also didn't have fifty thousand dollars <laughs> because you spent it all so, dumbass. um so officers saw an opportunity here and they took it they sent an undercover officer named mike smith who has the best undercover undercover officer name ever mike smith it's so mike. generic and like fake sounding um anyway so they sent him along with greg to finally get an answer from Dee, Dee moore um mike smith was posing as a drug dealer who was getting ready to serve a prison sentence the idea was that mike was already going to jail so he was happy to take the fall for dd for the right price it was a good story and dd took the bait um in a taped confession with both mike and greg wearing wires dd begins by saying quote the situation has gotten big i'm in over my head after some coaxing mike says quote come on we can do this but i'm gonna need a body Dee Dee replies, quote, but why would you do that for me? To which he answers, quote, I'm going in anyhow. Uh, I should have just played the clip here, but I wasn't sure the legality of it. <laughs> <laughs> After some more discussion, Dee Dee says, quote, you do this, you're going to be a very popular person. You're going to be a legend. Okay. Mike, con yeah. <laughs> Mike continues to convince Dee Dee to lead them to the body. He uses the line, quote, the police will want a body repeatedly. And finally she cracks. Uh, so he's saying that like the police will want a body to like confirm the story. So yeah. if they just say like, oh, he did it, like they're not going to believe him yeah. kind of thing. Um, so he, he said that until she eventually cracked, uh, four days after their first meeting, Dee Dee leads Mike to a property that belonged to her ex-husband. On that property, there was a concrete slab. Under this slab, buried in about nine feet of dirt, was the body of Abraham Shakespeare. His body was found with bullet wounds, wearing the exact same outfit in the suspicious video Dee Dee had shown police of him allegedly planning his getaway. So that video where he's like, yeah, fuck it, I'm leaving. He's wearing the same clothes. So she was probably like, if you don't say this, I'm going to kill you. And he was just yeah. like, okay. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm guessing um however detectives had noted that any trace of metal was removed from the clothing so any zippers buttons etc etc they were all taken off and investigators believed that this was an attempt at concealing the body so like a metal detector couldn't trace it okay so so someone sat there and took the time to do that this dd character is ridiculous yeah 
Uh, in a somewhat sketchy interview, James Moore, who was Dee Dee's ex-husband, was interviewed by the detectives. Uh, James claimed that Dee Dee had called him during the first two weeks of April 2009, asking him to dig a hole in her yard. Uh, Dee Dee claimed the hole was needed to bury concrete and trash in. <laughs> um, and he was he just like, okay. Yeah, Jeez. so he claims that he dug the hole, and after he left the yard, uh, Dee Dee called him, like, two hours later, asking to return to fill the hole back up. Um, James was already being paid to do other yard work for Dee Dee, so he just thought that it was part of that, so he went and he filled the hole and, like, didn't bother looking in to see what was there. Like, he did not look down and go, oh, a dead body, let me just cover it. Yeah, so... A fishy uh, statement to me. He was never charged with anything, but this kind of sounds a little bit like aiding and abetting to me. Yeah. Um, So in her typical lying fashion, Dee Dee began to spew stories about how Abraham died. She claimed a drug dealer shot him, that his own son had shot him. And finally, she landed on the, okay, I shot him in self-defense line. Um, she was arrested originally for accessory after the fact, so like the hiding of the body, mm-hmm. and held on a $1 million bail. While on trial, she acted like a complete ass in the court. Uh, she originally claimed she needed medical attention due to the shackles being too tight. Uh, one day she was saying she was suffering from anaphylactic shock and she was like pretending to like choke on her tongue while she was trying to speak to the judge and stuff. Oh my god. She was so dramatic. Like, you need to watch some clips. I, like, she was the most dramatic person i've ever seen it's like she told um, one lie when she was a kid and then she became like a chronic liar and she just yeah it, it seems like she's a very pathological liar yeah um she would have complete breakdowns in court crying and thrashing around like a fish out of water uh she ended up being scolded by the judge on several occasions for her like the way she behaved in court okay um all of these dramatics were her desperate attempts at maintaining her innocence she claimed that she was set up and that she didn't know there was really a body there. This is my favorite lie oh my in the God. entire case. So she claims that Officer Mike Smith manipulated her into hiring him to take the fall for the murder. She reached out saying, I need someone to take the fall for the murder. And then she's like, no, they manipulated me. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is all recorded. You realize that. Literally. So she also claims that she didn't know that when she led them there that they'd actually find a body. She said she was just trying to lie to him to make him go away and just happened to lead him right to the body. Didn't know it was there. How does she think that these lies are going to like, people are going to believe them? Like, is she really I don't that stupid? Know. Like, I think it's like you said, where she was, like, really good at lying as, like, a child and thought that, like, it would stick or something. I don't know. That's fucking insane. But that's the most insane lie I've ever heard. Um, When questioned about this in a later interview, Dee Dee says, quote, how stupid do you think I look? Do I really look like that stupid of a person? Is that what you think? Honestly, yes. Yes, I wrote, honestly, yes. You're very stupid. Um, she continues, quote, that I am that ignorant. Do you think that I knew if that man was dead in my property? I wanted to know what they did to him. I wanted to know. And then she proceeded to cry. <laughs> she is so frustrating. You need to, I cannot recommend. There's a bunch of uh, YouTube docs on her. I'm going to drop the name of the other doc I watched down in a second somewhere. But she is the most fascinating person to watch. Um her dramatics did nothing to save her. She was eventually upgraded to first-degree murder charges, and on March 15th, 2010, she pled not guilty. Surprise. Um, her new story was that Greg Smith, the man who she tried to pay to call Abraham's mom, had actually killed Abraham because he was sleeping with Greg's wife. Um, She's that just pulling all of this out of her work. ass? Literally, yeah. <laughs> 
literally yeah did she have so a lawyer because def- i want to know what kind of fucked up lawyer would be like I'm she gonna- actually did have a lawyer and um he, let's just say he was a good defense lawyer he like stuck by her he was like she is being mistreated in court she was manipulated like he's all for her so. like i understand like there's defense lawyers but like defending someone like that how like you're gonna be made fun of for the rest of your life lawyer i couldn't do it it's a very tough job I um, do if it. you haven't watched how to get away with murder yet it's actually a very good look at that world yeah. of like de- being a defense lawyer highly recommend it it's a little bit um gossip girly towards the end of the series to me but it's it's a really cool series to watch i'm gonna um, noted. duly noted uh, that was the first thing i binged in lockdown <laughs> So that defense also did not work. Uh, on December 10th, 2012, Dee Dee was convicted of first degree murder and sentenced to life without the chance of parole. She also got an extra fuck you sentence of 25 years for using a gun to commit a felony, which I love. I love that. For once, fuck yeah, Florida. <laughs> that's, a, that, that's a crime that's in Florida, apparently. She's still in prison to this day, crying to anyone that will listen that she's innocent. She was recently featured on Channel 4 series, Women Who Kill... Um, as for Abraham's millions of dollars, uh, officers confirmed that there was nothing left to his name. He had signed everything over to Dee Dee Moore and she had lost it all. That's so sad. Yeah. Oh my God. And Just, can you imagine like winning the lottery is supposed to, is supposed to be the best thing to ever happen to you? Yeah. And then now. And look. then that. Do you remember the show, um, winning the lottery ruined my life? Mm-hmm. Cause a lot of people do the thing where they like buy like a 30 million dollar mansion and then forget about property taxes and stuff like yeah. that like that's why i just want enough to like humbly upgrade yeah that's all i want if i were to win the lottery, lord I'd... if you're out there <laughs> satan hello <laughs> give us a sign <laughs> but fuck man that like i don't i've never heard of this one and you just explaining her drives me absolutely nuts. You should watch it. Like, I, I got angry watching her in court. Like, she's just arrogant and, like... And I, Am I going to give myself an aneurysm? Should I bother probably. watching it? Um, if, if you want to, like, get some aggression out, then okay. I, I recommend watching it. I'm just going <laughs> to yell at my TV for the next, like, hour. That's... But yeah, the, uh, so the one that uh, is, like, a full documentary, it's called Women Who Kill. I don't know if that's available online because it was, like, a Channel 4 special, mm-hmm. but I just watched a hell of a lot of YouTube docs. There's tons on YouTube. Um, all of the recorded, uh, like, undercover officer stuff is on YouTube. It's all up there. It's really... I, I went down a rabbit hole. That's all I'm going to say. I've wasted a long Monday. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely nuts. And that poor guy. Oh, my God. I feel so bad. I he finally wins the, the lottery too. Yeah, like the family that weren't leeches, like the family that actually cared about him. Yeah, and this asshole sad. just took advantage. Yeah, I didn't like that she was toying with them too, like texting them and stuff. Like that's so gross to me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised she did it though. Look at the kind of person she is. Yeah, she she's not a very good person. That's so fucked, man. That one blew my mind. That was a good and one. And there wasn't any children involved. Let him no. go. Yeah, <laughs> just one big fucking asshole. <laughs> She looks like an asshole too. I, I I'm like picturing her. I'm gonna see if I'm right. I feel like I might be. We'll see. Google it later, and okay. you'll see. Okay. She's she's gross. So, but yeah, if you guys uh, want to tell us what you would do with your millions if you won the lottery, yeah, hopefully not get murdered. You can um, you can find us on Instagram and come discuss. Well, I want to. Well, you want to start MySpace all over again? Yeah, and I would like a llama farm also. That too, or, or an alpaca farm. I just want a farm farm in myspace that's all i need and a good internet connection and that's it 
That's it, man. That's it. But yeah, let us know what you do with your millions. Yeah. Uh, we have Instagram. It's a spooky hour podcast. You can find us on Twitter at spooky hour, or you can email in your stories or your spooky tales to the spooky hour podcast 666 at gmail.com. That's it. That's it, man. Yeah. You never know when we drop a spooky hour, so keep sending those we stories are a spooky in. spooky hour. You mean oh, spooky shit. tales. I do mean that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> whatever we drop a spooky hour every monday you should know that yeah. but <laughs> apparently holly doesn't just send us your stories okay <laughs> we like reading them they're really fun and we like telling them on our our uh episodes they're great yeah some of you guys are like really great writers too like we yeah. genuinely enjoy reading some of them yeah i need more ab workouts so okay we, we genuinely enjoy reading all of them but i just mean like some of you guys writing style is like really cool yeah <laughs> that's it. try not to offend people <laughs> anything else is that it i think that's that i think that's all i got guys all right guys we'll have a wonderful week yeah i guess just stay spooky stay spooky friends Mm -hmm.